everybody. Welcome to the Geek Generation. I'm your host, Rob Logan, joined in the studio by Mike Volby. Hello. Anna. Hello. And Paulo. And his name is John Cena. <laughs> da, 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 da. I love that. I just, that, that meme is awesome. It is the best meme. Yeah. I totally agree with that. Well, I have not seen this. You don't know the John Cena meme? Nope. Oh, there was a, what was Damn. it? Like a is morning a, zoo radio show? Yeah. So like a morning zoo radio show, they did a prank call like ages ago. And they used that sound bit mm-hmm. from like John Cena's entry en- or intro. And for some reason, it came back this year. Mm. People have been using it every time somebody's like thinking about the name of something or like they, <laughs> they can't quite put <laughs> a finger great. on it. So every time that the, 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 there's like a whole Vine series where like people are like, um, and then and his name is John Cena. <laughs> <laughs> da, 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 da. <laughs> uh. And it's really overmodulated and everything. Yeah. And it sounds terrible. But the, uh, the premise of the prank call is. They keep telling this woman that she's won tickets to SummerSlam or something, or or that it's SummerSlam is on this Sunday and yeah. it's going to be John Cena versus whoever. Yeah. And they just keep calling back, but they keep tricking her. So they'll call back with a d- different voice yeah. and they'll lead up to it. And then they'll be like, John Cena, dude. Uh, and then the music starts playing. And SummerSlam is this week. It's very funny. She it's gets a really good so prank call. Mad. She, like, she gets yeah. really pissed. Because like her husband put him up to it or something. Yeah. yeah. That's great. It's really funny. Yeah. Uh, so before we get into all the show stuff today, uh, some stuff about Rhode Island Comic Con, because we went to that recently. My thoughts overall on the con this year, there's definitely leftover negative morale from last year. Oof. Like there were things happening during the con that every con has the problem of. And people were like, oh, well, Rhode Island Comic Con fucked up again, mm-hmm. even though it's any con's problem. But because of all the stuff that and the bad publicity and the negative feelings from last year, that morale kind of carried over. So the, the con was better for sure this year. Having the two buildings, they fixed a lot of problems. It's still not without its problems, but what con really right. is at this point. And one of the things that they really kept screwing up was the constant reorganization of guests as to where they were. Oh, so from day to day, they would move around the location. I don't know based on what decisions as to whether the guests wanted to be relocated or the popularity demanded that they be in a space more accessible or some of them were in the Dunkin' Donuts Center and some of them were in the convention center and people were getting swapped back and forth. Some people at the con didn't even realize it was two buildings. Really? So that was a problem too. Mm-hmm. Like vendors that are in one building. Wasn't it a pain in the ass off. to go from one to the other? It kind of was at times. Did you have to go because, outside? Uh, you couldn't. There was once you were in, you could only use that one kind of sky bridge between oh. the two buildings eventually they did allow like a downstairs outside entrance, but that means they have another place they have to check badges, which is why I don't think they set it up to begin with. But at some times like getting through that sky bridge took 20 minutes because people were just moving in a single file line oh, both God. ways. So the con shuffle. that's terrible. There were, yeah, there were the con shuffle. <laughs> that's what we called it in uh, New York. Yeah. Cause we felt like our calves were just killing us from doing the con shuffle yeah, all weekend. You just couldn't take a normal step. Exactly. Uh, But there were some other good things that happened at the con, especially for me. On the Friday, which was really fun, we had uh, more access to the celebrities because a lot of people didn't go on Friday because they were busy working. But I got to meet Will. Well, not me, because I interviewed him in San Diego, Will Friedle, the Mm -hmm. older brother on Boy Meets World, the guy who voices Batman Beyond. Um, He voices a character, one of the leads on Kim Possible. And uh, I went to get an autograph from him, and he actually remembered me from San Diego. And when he's signing it, he goes, 
wait, did you pay for this? I'm like, yeah, of course I did. He goes, dude, we're in the same industry. Like, you don't, you don't have to. I'll just sign this. Wow, hey, that's nice. nice. I, was, I still paid. Like, I didn't yeah. ask for my money back. I had already paid, but that was like really nice of him to do. And uh, he did agree to be on the podcast. Oh, so good. Nice. I'm, I'm hoping we can put that together. Granted, we've had a lot of people that have agreed to be on the podcast and it never comes together. Mm-hmm. But he did agree to. So uh, that was nice. Well, at least he remembers you and he made that sort of tacit agreement. So yeah. I mean, it's there. It's out there. So. Right. And he didn't yes, just Mr. say. Lawyer, how does a verbal agreement work? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's, it, 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 no. There's no such thing. <laughs> but I mean, I'm just saying there's the goodwill is there. Right. Yeah. Right. And he didn't just say, oh, sure. Yeah, I'll totally do it. He said, oh. Oh, no. See that woman over there? That's my fiance. She handles my scheduling stuff. Go touch base with her. Give her your cards, all that. So there cool. was actually more than just, sure, why not? Right. So uh, we're, we're working to set that up in the future. Um, there was a Voices of Batman panel that I was like campaigning online to moderate, mm-hmm. which obviously I didn't, but should have. The biggest issue with that one was the moderator did oh. nothing. Really? Like we walked into it and it was it was Wilfred L, it was Kevin Conroy, and it was the moderator. And he sat down and he goes, Welcome to the Voices of Batman panel. Okay, go ahead and line up for questions. I'm like, What? You're doing nothing. That's not mm. a panel, that's a QA. That's a QA. And and the moderator's not doing anything. I was so ticked. And I've I've seen this guy around too, and I know it's just a friend of they booked the con like NCW Mike. Oh, is that what that Yeah, was they like, just oh. put their friends in gotcha. things, even yeah. if they're not the best person for it, when clearly I should have been there. So right. you should so, have been moderating the voices of Exactly. Voice of exactly. And because I wasn't the moderator, I put in the extra effort to really make entertaining mm-hmm. because i knew it was just going to be a q a granted i didn't know that at the time i prepped anyway and i i was going to prove that i should have been the moderator so uh i came with scripts in hand and asked kevin conroy and will Friedell to do a scene mm-hmm. as batman and terry from yep. the empire strikes back yeah i saw it that was good yeah and i have the audio so people can listen to that right now who do we have oh, here? Who's here hello 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 you as you familiar. can tell, I'm a bit of a fan. <laughs> <laughs> and as everyone here knows, Star Wars is not far away. And well, it's uh, actually it's from a land very far, 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 away. far away. Yeah, <laughs> I stand corrected. Um, I was I have a very short scene from The Empire Strikes Back with me that I was hoping Bruce and Terry could fill the roles of Vader and Luke for. <laughs> Of who? Oh God! <laughs> Why is everyone looking at me? Because <laughs> we're sitting in the front. <laughs> it's Batman's uh, decision. There we go. Oh, I don't feel on the spot. No, I don't feel put on the spot. Is it? Oh, it's the same thing? Yeah. Oh, is it the same? No, they gave you a different scene. I was wondering if we had like, separate, separate You're going to be Princess Leia. Okay? You're not, you're really now, should we do these as, as Terry, or am I doing a Mark Hamilton? Am I going to Tashi Station to pick up power converters? Which one are we doing? As Terry and Bruce. Okay, go ahead. Luke, you do not yet realize your importance. You have only begun to discover your power. Join me, and I will complete your training. With our combined strength, we can end this destructive conflict and bring order to the galaxy. I'll never join you. <laughs> if you only knew the power of the dark side. Obi-Wan never told you what happened to your father. 
He told me enough. He told me you killed him. No. I am your father. No, that's not true. That's impossible. Search your feelings. Search yourself, Luke. You know it to be true. No. No! Yes! <laughs> so that was fun. <laughs> I think, if anything, that's a, a strong enough argument for you to moderate the panel next year. If... For nothing else, the entertainment value. Not only just the entertainment value, but what happened with that clip. Mm -hmm. So this was one of the first times that I ever wrote a press release for something because mm -hmm. I thought I've seen stuff like this go viral online all the time. So I actually wrote a press release for it. I sent it out to a bunch of media sites. It got picked up by Geek Tyrant, the Mary Sue, Comics Alliance, Movie Web. Mm -hmm. I didn't even send it to all of those. Like it got bounced around by right. other people which is great. And between YouTube and Facebook, it's now gotten over 16,000 views. That's Holy crazy. Crap. In just the two weeks since it happened. So I'm pretty happy with that kind of publicity. Yeah. So it was good for us. Uh, it was good for the con. And hopefully I can use that as evidence to more things that I can create for them in the future and for other cons. Uh, it was cool, too, because later in the day, I was, I was hanging out with Matt West a lot. And he actually took the video of it and oh, okay. captured the audio and stuff. So he was at the panel and he saw me going up there and was just like pulled out the phone. So he was all ninja about that. <laughs> but later in the day, I was just walking around the con floor and Wilfred L stopped me and was like, that was a really cool moment. Thanks for doing that. Granted, he didn't know it was me mm -hmm. from the day before either because Batman. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, Incognito. And then on Sunday, I went and I was like, well, if there was ever a time to get Kevin Conroy's autograph, it would be now because I mm -hmm. actually have something to talk to him about. Because I'd always looked at getting an autograph from him before, but he was always like 50 bucks too. And I was like, that's just a little bit. But he was cheaper at this con than he's been at others. And I was like, well, I should do it now and be like, hey, I was the Batman. And I did do that. And of course, that was. I am. Right, right. <laughs> uh, well, he, he heard my voice and he was like, oh, yeah, I kind of recognize your voice. And he goes, and you sound too much like me, so now I have to kill you. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Which I don't think I could have ever gotten a better compliment in my right. life yeah. to yeah. hear the voice of Batman tell me that I sounded too much like him. So very happy with that. Uh, and also on Sunday was our panel with Roger Andrews, which we did last year. Uh, great turnout. Our room held about 95 to 100 people. We were almost full. I would say we had about 80 to 85 people in the panel. So that was pretty cool. We had a few people kind of come up at the end and be like, that's the best panel I've ever been to. And we were like, oh, really? How many cons have you gone to? This is our first one. I'm like, you're supposed to say like 10. <laughs> Not like every con, that's the best panel. So uh, it was still really nice of them to say. But that's always a lot of fun to do, and hopefully we'll keep doing those. Let's go into news. CBS has announced it will launch a totally new Star Trek TV series in January 2017. The new series will blast off with a special preview broadcast on the CBS television network. The premiere episode and all subsequent first-run episodes will then be available exclusively in the United States on CBS All Access, the network's digital subscription video on-demand and live streaming service. The new program will be the first original series developed specifically for U.S. audiences for CBS All Access, a cross-platform streaming service that brings viewers thousands of episodes from CBS's current and past seasons on-demand, plus the ability to stream their local CBS television station live for $5.99 per month. CBS All Access already offers every episode of all previous Star Trek television series. 
So does Amazon Prime. <laughs> the brand new Star Trek TV series will introduce new characters seeking imaginative new worlds and new civilizations while exploring the dramatic contemporary themes that have been a signature of the franchise since its inception in 1966. Alex Kurtzman will serve as executive producer for the new Star Trek TV series. Kurtzman co-wrote and produced the blockbuster film Star Trek with Bob Orsi and Star Trek Into Darkness with Orsi and Damon Lindelof. Both films were produced and directed by J.J. Abrams. The new television series is not related to the upcoming feature film Star Trek Beyond, which is scheduled to be distributed by Paramount Pictures in summer 2016. And I think you of all people might have some thoughts on this. Yeah, definitely really happy with the choice that they took it out of the movie universe. Yeah. I think that's super smart to make it another standalone series. That's mm -hmm. great because I don't need to be in that universe anymore. Mm -hmm. I mean, not anymore. I'll watch the sequels, but I don't, you know, I don't need. They've never done that before. Right. So I'm glad they stuck to what they usually do. I agree. I guess. Very disappointed it's on going to be on CBS All Access because mm -hmm. I'm not going to be paying for that. So I'm going to have to find another way. I mean, I really, really, really want to try it. Right. And watch it. But I'm not paying $6 a month for a show. I mean, obviously, they're going to release them on disc at some point. Right. Right. Or but... sell them on iTunes or I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I just for... For what I spend on TV, like I can't, you know, I already get Netflix and I already get Amazon Prime and mm -hmm. I can't be adding things to my budget like that. Right. Well, clearly this is a move to get people to subscribe because it's Star Trek. If it there's is. anything they could use to really yeah. convince people. I wish I'm, you know, I'm happy that networks are going in this direction, but I think that they need to come up with packages. Like mm -hmm. I think that CBS needs to partner with somebody else because I feel like I'm not going to be getting enough out of that one network, right? you know, to pay that much money a month um, for it. Like Netflix, you know, you pay seven or $8 a month, but you get tons of stuff that run mm -hmm. the gamut. So yeah, for the know, price point, you're not getting nearly what you would with exactly. a Netflix or an Amazon Prime or exactly. something like that. Exactly. I think that's a challenge for like the big networks because they're trying to catch up with streaming services and with uh, channels like HBO right. that have the mobile experience available uh, right. right now. Like CBS doesn't exactly have like the grandest catalog of TV shows to offer. I mean, like if Star Trek is going to be like their tentpole series, it's brand new. Nobody knows what it's going to be about. It's untested. Like HBO Go, they're bringing five seasons of Game of Thrones. Right. Like all, you know, everything. So it's, they have to give you more for you to want to even think about spending six bucks a month on Star Trek. And mm -hmm. of course, they're way too stubborn to like partner with anybody. Like, God forbid, right. you know, the major networks get together and say, this is network television's mm -hmm. streaming service. So, oh, I get, right. well, I get CBS and NBC and ABC stuff from way back from 20 years ago. Right. I mean, then that would be worth it. You'd be like, oh, I can watch old episodes mm -hmm. of A, B, and C, yeah. you know, but not just one Well, network. that would be really difficult with would be the con, parent actually. companies yeah. of each one, but the parent company of CBS must have cable channels. Like, I don't know if they're the ones that own Showtime or HBO. Like, they they have other channels for sure, so why not start packaging exactly. those together? Exactly, yep. Because if, I mean, I wouldn't mind paying for, you know, five channels or something, but, mm -hmm. you know, I think we've discussed in the past, it's like, okay, well, you got, I'm paying for Netflix, I'm paying for Amazon, I'm right, paying for HBO right. Go, I'm paying for the wrestling one, mm -hmm. I don't, you know, it's... All right, now it's starting to add up. Now I'm not saving any money right. over I just getting cable. Bucks a month. Right, yeah. exactly. So then you're plus cable. Right. So it won't replace cable if you're not. It's saving like they money. they fell behind. They thought that the streaming services would never work, mm -hmm. and now they're working so well that they're like, oh shit, we got to catch up. But right. can they catch up? Right. By the time they do it, it's just, 
people won't people don't want to pay now or right. people are going to be so oversaturated with yep. things that they already have on their plate mm-hmm. right like i mean if you think about everything that's available on the current streaming services do you i mean do you have time to add more of that to i mean right. and is that is that time that you're sacrificing worth of six dollars a month like again it keeps going back to the price like, yeah mm-hmm. it almost causes you like a little bit of stress and pressure because you're like okay now i gotta watch old episodes of the big bang theory or something because i'm paying right. for it right, so then right. you're like searching for things just to fill your time mm-hmm. with to make it and it's just frustrating i hate to say it but cbs should probably just bait and switch the audience like start star trek on the network on tv yeah let it go for maybe like, you know, if it's successful, let it go for like two or three seasons mm-hmm. and then pull back and say, all right, well, we're making the transition to streaming. Now come to our streaming service if you want to watch Star Trek. Right. Nobody's going to be invested by just watching the first no. episode probably. And I swear that's like where HBO Go got their idea from because mm-hmm. they totally hooked people in on games game of thrones mm-hmm. like who who gets hbo go not to watch game of thrones right <laughs> like, right so you know yeah, nobody gets hbo go to watch the movies on hbo no no, no, no exactly so. exactly yeah but uh star trek wise i'm still very excited oh, yeah we've been saying for how long on the show that we want to see a new star trek tv series my one hope for this show and like you said i'm glad it's not connected to the movie universe I like that that's going to stand on its own. And I don't necessarily want another series with Kirk and Spock and all that. No, no. I really hope that what they do is, and we saw that Enterprise didn't necessarily work. Prequel stuff doesn't really work series-wise, I don't think. I would love to see something after Voyager chronologically. Like, let's keep moving forward. Why not? It makes sense to. Right. And it'd be really cool, you know, again, keeping it out because we're keeping it out of the movie universe. They could do like they did some weird time traveling stuff in Next Generation mm-hmm. where like Scotty appeared on it because all the Next Generation people are still alive. So they could come up with something crazy to have Riker. So yeah, I mean, happy. that it and that's not going to happen in the movie universe. So no, this no. is our chance to like have some real cool shit happen. Yeah, so, very that, excited for that. Yeah. While Gal Gadot is set to debut in the upcoming Batman v Superman Dawn of Justice and appear in the upcoming Justice League movies, there was once another movie to feature the Justice League that would have seen Mad Max's George Miller in the director's chair with Megan Gale in the role of the Amazonian warrior. While the film was ultimately shelved thanks to photographer Mark Rogers, we now have photos of Megan Gale in the Wonder Woman costume she would have worn on the big screen. That's badass. It is badass. I like it a lot. Yeah. Except yeah. the bottom of the boobs. The bottom of the boobs. Oh, the, the bottom, little, like, the way connecting they're, piece. They're like two balls, like sure. basketballs. Sure, like sure. They, should, they should be smoother on the bottom. I agree. Yeah. yeah. Other than that, it looks rad. Yeah, and color-wise and even design-wise, it's not a far cry from what we ended up getting with Gal Gadot's costume. Yeah. It's very similar. I like the skirt better, though. Yeah, it's a lot more blue. And it's interesting. There's different color variations between the two. Yeah. So, like, even when you look at the costume that Henry Cavill was wearing in Man of Steel, it was a brightly colored costume, but they just color graded the movie and turned down the saturation Mm -hmm. so it doesn't look as good. So his costume looks really cool when you see it on set or in person. Yeah. And I feel like that's the way this photo kind of is. But the skirt is still really saturated. So it makes me think that that's just a really bright blue. But then on the other photo where it's kind of the the torso up, you see a nice bright red. That's what I'd love to see on the screen. Like Flash and Arrow are showing us that this stuff works if you do it properly. You don't have to have this kind of desaturated downplayed 
grounded in reality type yeah. idea. Like we'll we'll talk about it probably next week, but Flash is doing some things that's blowing my mind that I can't believe they're getting away with, mm -hmm. but they've established a universe where it's all okay. Yeah. So it's fine. And if they did that with these movies moving forward, kind of say Man of Steel was our experiment. It didn't totally work. Like, let's, I know they're not going to do this, but I would love for them to just be like, yeah, it's all fair game. Like the, the suicide squads croc mm -hmm. looks the way he does. And then you see some other things that are just extreme on the flash. So I want them to be like, yeah, it's the comic book source material. Mm -hmm. We're just going to use it. It's awesome. Mm -hmm. Why not? Yep. Yeah. yeah. They're scared too. They are. They're very scared though. And they shouldn't be because look what Marvel's doing. And exactly. they're making so much money. How do they not go, oh, well, obviously you can and it's fine. Right. And then even, I mean, and they could still do it too because like Captain America changes his outfit every single movie. Yeah. So yeah. change, totally just change could. it. Just yeah. go, ah, that sucked. So we're going to change it. <laughs> just change it. You're right. It's okay. My oh. one hope for like a Wonder Woman costume change at one point is... Like, remember from, like, the DC animated series, like, there was, like, an armored kind of Wonder Woman. Mm -hmm. Like, she had one shoulder pad and, like, she had, like, right, navy blue right. tights. Like, that is, like, my favorite Wonder Woman outfit. Like, sure. it's, granted, it's not, like, super sexy or anything, but it looks like she's, I don't think it should yeah. be necessary. <laughs> All exactly. Right. All right. From a girl's point of view, and I know this is the comic book's fault and not just the, t the movies or TV show's fault, but... Yeah. You can't fight in a strapless no, outfit. Yeah. You, you need can't. to you need to tie those ladies Listen, up. Okay, if those come you can't. Out, the fighting ends. It ends. <laughs> Do you know that is a peace treaty in that top? <laughs> you can't even like walk upstairs very well without straps. Like you, it's if not. If Paul and I no, are in a fist fight no. and a girl whips her boobs out, the fighting ends, and we both it's just not, go, "Oh, it's not just that though. It's you. It's like <sighs> it's right, physically Paul? impossible to fight without straps. Yeah, it's ridiculous. No, you're right. Wonder Woman's costume is. Ridiculous. archaic yeah and it needs the other day like but, when they gave her pants i was so happy yeah, yeah that was cool most of the superhero outfits are most of look at all the females look at psylocke oh i know I mean, most of them are there's well that's what i mean i i'm not targeting like this in particular because right, right. i know it's across the board but that's one of the thing that was great about you know you and uh kyla talked about it on the New York Comic Con episode, but um, the teenage version. Right. It's like, they're so much more realistic. Yes. And yeah. I was reading about that too, and it's because they interviewed little girls, and the little girls were actually going, like, Poison Ivy can't fight in that. Right. Like, yeah. fix it. Yeah. Yeah, give the, they know. Give the woman straps. Yeah. I think they should really look at, like, the cosplay community, to be honest, because, like, when cosplayers mm -hmm. do, like, their own version of, like, a costume for a superhero or a mm -hmm. supervillain, like when, for example, when Jessica Negri does, like, the armored version version of like elsa mm -hmm. <laughs> like elsa's not the like the first disney princess i think oh that's fucking badass right right but when you see like armored elsa you're like that's it is pretty cool, cool. Like, is you know cool. yeah so like i think armored wonder woman i think is probably the best for me and right i'd love to see that at one point especially if like the fighting escalates or something you know if they get totally. to like dark side you know yeah like show the evolution of wonder woman like okay this strap was tough not gonna work anymore yeah maybe i should put on some armor and then have that be like her coming out like holy shit or like i'm gonna fly around maybe i don't wear a skirt yeah right. Black, i mean black widow wears pretty decent fighting outfits yeah you know and it's still sexy it is it's like a cat suit like right. and catwoman actually has pretty decent outfits yeah most of the time most of the time not, not all the time <laughs> when her zipper is not down to her belly button yeah yeah <laughs> i'm thinking like michelle pfeiffer right right Although previously referred to as Alien Paradise Lost, 20th Century Fox has confirmed that the next film in the franchise will be titled Alien Covenant 
and has set a release date of October 6, 2017. In addition, the synopsis for the film has been released and reads as follows. Ridley Scott returns to the universe he created in Alien with Alien Covenant, the second chapter in a prequel trilogy that began with Prometheus and connects directly to Scott's 1979 seminal work of science fiction. Bound for a remote planet on the far side of the galaxy, the crew of the colony ship Covenant discovers what they think is an uncharted paradise but is actually a dark, dangerous world, whose sole inhabitant is the synthetic David, survivor of the doomed Prometheus expedition. How do we uh, feel about the next alien pretty much being Prometheus 2? I mean, I have questions, a lot of them. (laughs) I'm sure. Like, one, what happened to the doctor that, like, you know, like, spoilers. I mean, the movie's been out for fucking ever. I didn't see it, but I probably won't, so go for it. Right, so the doctor, you know, at the end, the doctor. I didn't see it either. Jesus, I'm, like, talking to myself. I watched it, I watched it. Okay, so, Anna, at (laughs) the end of. Earmuffs. Like, at the end of Prometheus, like, when they take off, and they go to the, they go to, quote, unquote, seek revenge. Right. Right. It's two people. It's the doctor and and David's head. Right. Right. So where's the doctor, first of all? Right. Secondly, this expedition to this unknown planet, is it going to be the Weyland-Yutani group? Like from Aliens and Alien vs. Predator and all those, you know, comic books? Like, how is that going to tie into it? Or is it going to be a completely different, like, storyline? Like, they kind of established now that, like, the xenomorph... When it hatches from something, it kind of takes the DNA of it with it. Right. So it becomes like half xenomorph and half whatever it came out of. So like there's already aliens on this planet. What are they from? Like I have a lot of questions and I, I mean, I'm, I'm in, yeah. I watched the movie. Yep. I'm going to have a lot of uncomfortable nights, like <laughs> scratching my chest again. Cause that was like a thing. Like <laughs> with, the, with the original movies, like yeah. uh, whenever the, like the chest burster came out, mm-hmm. like it just made me infinitely uncomfortable. Yeah. So like funny. every time I'd be like lying down in mm-hmm. bed, I'd sleep, <laughs> I'd sleep like this, oh <laughs> like hands God. over like my sternum. Cause I'm like, <sighs> it can't happen to me. <laughs> Get a slight bit of indigestion. You're like, Oh God. Yeah. I guess, oh, yeah. Or like you start coughing or something. You're like, Oh no, <laughs> this is it. No, I liked the first one, and I like. I was one of those. I was sort of the beginning of my habit of not watching trailers or reading a whole lot about a movie. So I didn't know anything about Prometheus when I watched it. I'm like, made by the alien guy. I'm in. Whatever. Mm-hmm. Put it in. Watched it. Liked it. No people had a lot of complaints about it, but I thought it was very entertaining. Well, it didn't resolve a lot of the issues in the movie, so it left so many questions out there. But I was in the camp where. I was okay with that. Right. Because that gives them room to grow. Right. Like, I don't have to know all the answers right now. Right. As long as you promise me that you're going to explore those later on, which obviously they're doing. Right. The only thing that kind of bumps me out about this movie is that it's pushing Alien 5. Right. That Neil Blomkamp is putting together that he's, like, waves this online campaign for and has released, like, concept art for. Which looks amazing. Yeah, it it looks looks really good. It looks, like, Cameron-esque. Like, it looks like he's taking Alien mm-hmm. 2 as his jumping off point. Mm-hmm. I mean, But that's really, only... Scott had a good point, though, because he's like, it's mine. Screw you. I don't care. Like, I don't yeah. care what you're doing. I ha- came up with Prometheus first. I came up with the Alien. Like, you can do whatever you want, but I'm not going to back off or not do my thing yeah. because you want to do your thing, which mm-hmm. I also agree with. You know, that's not really fair. Like, I'm going to make it. Well, fine. But I'm still making what I was going to make anyway. Yeah. You know. He's kind of holding the reins. And Neil Blomkamp is just kind of like petitioning for the job. So maybe let the guy who has the job now at least get part of the way through it. Right. Exactly. And if he's not successful, then maybe we can move on. Right. Yeah. 
There's currently a Star Wars Battlefront PS4 bundle available, and with that bundle comes four PS2 games available through a supplied download code, which all except one appear to be the original PS2 games running in emulation. The discovery comes via a digital foundry who spotted a number of clues suggesting backwards compatibility had finally arrived. As DF noted, the PS2's select and start buttons have been mapped to either side of the DualShock 4's touchpad, something only Sony, rather than LucasArts Interactive, can do. Also, a PS2 logo appears when you launch each game, and all in-game button prompts are relative to the DualShock 2, which means these aren't remastered versions of the games. Since the initial report, Sony has confirmed backwards compatibility is coming, telling Wired, We are working on utilizing PS2 emulation technology to bring PS2 games forward to the current generation. We have nothing further to comment at this point in time. Well, I think this is like their response to Xbox, right? I sure, Because totally. Xbox is bringing the 360 games back, at least in limited number. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, they've obviously got to do something. I mean... A PS can PS4s play PS3 games? No, because the right. if, if you were to put in a PS3 game, it the problem isn't reading it, it's processing it because okay. the PS3 I think this is why they're looking at PS2. Mm-hmm. PS3 had that like cell core mm-hmm. cell mm-hmm. technology processor and the games had to be programmed specifically how to utilize that. Right. That's why the PS4 could not be a backwards compatible system to PS3 at least because it was just so different hardware wise. Yeah. I think it's smart because, I mean, they're going back to, like, kind of like the golden era of PS PlayStations. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of great PS2 PS2 was the longest-running console for them as far as duration for it being out before a new one was introduced. And it is one of the most popular consoles of all time. So, What does it mean exactly, though? It's emulation. So are you going to be able to put your disc in it? Or are you going to have to download it? Because that's the biggest thing for me. I'm not going to rebuy games. Mm -hmm. That was my issue with I have my PS2 in my bedroom and I have my PS3 in the living room because I'm not buying the games again. I already own them and I already own a PS2. That's a question that really hasn't been answered yet, but traditionally emulation required a downloadable game instead of a disc. They might be able to read from the disc. We don't know that yet. And that's kind of why they're saying hush hush. Maybe that's what they're working on. The the downloadable stuff is out there. It's kind of a weird way to introduce it. Like they just kind of came in under the radar and people mm-hmm. kind of figured it out on their own. But well, the I think original... maybe like maybe they they went ahead, like somebody discovered it and then they were like, mm-hmm. ah, yeah, just tell them now. Yeah. Yeah. We'll figure out the details later. Right. The original PS3 played PS2 games. It did. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think the I think what they'll end up doing is something kind of like what Xbox is doing. Like if you have a 360 game. It's, I think it's, you either put it in or it's some way, the, the Xbox One is a way of somehow identifying that you have the game. And then it downloads okay. it for you. And then you. it downloads it for you. That would yeah. be acceptable. So. I would accept that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which but then sucks. you have the option of buying games that you never had yeah, to yeah, begin I mean, with. You could go to the store right, and which buy is whatever. like Nintendo. Right, which totally yeah. makes sense. I would buy games that I never played if I don't own them. But right. like you said, yeah, I don't want to rebuy things no. necessarily. Unless they're remastering, then they put in the work and maybe yeah. it's worth buying. But. Yeah, I'm not going to pay for something I already own. Right. Plans for two different X-Men TV series have been revealed by Marvel. FX has ordered a pilot for Legion, while Fox is in development on an action-adventure series tentatively titled Hellfire. Legion will tell the story of David Heller, uh, sorry, David Haller, who has struggled with mental illness since he was a teenager. Diagnosed as schizophrenic, David has been in and out of psychiatric hospitals for years. But after a strange encounter with a fellow patient... 
he's confronted with the possibility that the voice he hears and the visions he sees might be real. Of course, comic book fans know Holler as the schizophrenic son of Charles Xavier. Hellfire, meanwhile, will be set in the late 1960s. The X-Men TV series spinoff follows a young special agent who learns that a power-hungry woman with extraordinary abilities is working with a clandestine society of millionaires known as the Hellfire Club to take over the world. I think the only time I ever see the word clandestine used in something is like a TV or movie description. Yeah. <laughs> like I never see that word anywhere else. It's not else. a very commonly used no. word. No. It's a word used to describe something you shouldn't know about. Right. So it's kind of like, well, okay. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So um, two different series, Hellfire yeah. being kind of a spinoff of the first class movies, the universe there, because the Hellfire Club was featured in X-Men First Class. Are you uh, excited about this? A little bit. Like, I just want to see more Wolverine. And right, Gambit. right. Like, I don't know. I'm a little more excited for Hellfire just because I'm familiar with that cast mm-hmm. of characters. Not as much for Legion. Yeah. But I don't know. I'll look at kind of what they put out for those previews and see if it's interesting. I'm down for anything more comic book. I know people think it's getting oversaturated. Not to me. <laughs> I want it all. There's just a lot to consume. It is. And they're doing it more and yeah. more and more. And it, it does get to the point where you're like, oh, my God, yeah, so much. Yeah, but the stuff that's good you'll want to watch right. and the stuff that's not will go away. So unless it's Constantine and then you curse people for not watching because you wanted it to stick around. I've always complained about the oversaturation on this show or not complained about it so much, but like of my apprehension of it Mm -hmm. but um i forget i think i was listening to a podcast i remember an interview or something and somebody made a really good point was that they were hoping that this will just be a new genre Mm -hmm. you know so it'll be like the old westerns some of them sucked some of them were great so rather than thinking of it as an oversaturation you can think of it as sort of a new genre and then it's like Oh, okay. Like I can get on. Yeah. Like I can get on board with that sort of mentality. So I'm like, I feel better about it now. Right. Right. Interesting. Like nobody's complaining about an oversaturation of sci-fi television. Yeah. There's way too many horror movies. Yeah. Like no, you know, it's just a genre. It's just a thing. And now superheroes a popular one right now. Yeah. Exactly. So that's kind of a good way to look at it. I agree. Like Rob was, you were just saying, like you could then you can pick and choose. I don't watch Marvel's Agent of Shield. Mm -hmm. I don't like it. it. Doesn't strike anything with me. I don't watch it. I don't like it. Right. Yeah. Even the stuff I don't watch, I'm happy it exists. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. Because that means they're just celebrating the things that I'm into still. Like right. they're still putting the effort into making those things. Exactly. So that means eventually there's going to be more stuff I do like. Yep. Yeah. Val Kilmer took to his Facebook page recently to confirm that he has been asked back for Top Gun 2, in which he will reprise the role of Iceman. The actor wrote, I just got offered Top Gun 2. Not often you get to say yes without reading the script. We will all miss Tony Scott, one of the kindest gentlemen I've ever met in the film biz, but let's fire up some fighter jets again. The Top Gun sequel, a follow-up to Tony Scott's 1986 hit, has been in the works for quite some time with Tom Cruise interested in reprising his role of Lieutenant Pete Maverick Mitchell. Scott was interested in returning to the director's chair himself prior to his tragic passing. Val Kilmer, I think you mean Fat Kilmer. I think he looks a little better again. I think he's starting to, yeah. He improved a little bit. Yeah. 
Because he and Tom Cruise have gone in completely different directions yeah. when it comes to their physical fitness. Totally. Tom, have you seen like pictures from Tom Cruise on the set of the new Jack Reacher movie? The power of Scientology. The power. <laughs> apparently, if you're level like one million and and have met the aliens in Scientology <laughs> or whatever the fuck they do, yeah, like it gives you giant fucking biceps at fifty, whatever, almost sixty. Like, there's a shot of him on the set of his mm-hmm. new uh, on the set of his sequel to yeah. the movie Jack Reacher. I think he's like fifty two, fifty three. Yeah, he's like he's pointing something out to somebody who on set and he's wearing like a short like a shorter sleeve yeah. t-shirt yeah. and it's just like his arm it's like it's so fucking and it's like unre- <laughs> unrealistic right how right fit he is like his arm is just like and you're just like oh, fuck this guy like, <laughs> <laughs> like he's a vampire he must be a vampire it started an interview with the vampire yeah. and it's just continued yeah. like like he just did some research and he was like oh i can really be a vampire and then now he is <laughs> yeah but uh, Top Gun too. What do we think? I don't know. I, it's going to be interesting. I mean, they're going to have to be like really high up officers because people don't stay in the Air Force. Mm. That long. Like, you know, unless you're like a captain or like a major or like, you know, so it's like going to be way down the road. I mean, yeah. it was just so long ago. I just don't know. I mean, I'll probably watch it. On Who Fat am Man. I kidding? Who am I kidding? I'm going to buy a ticket. Uh, it might not be. I'm in. On Fat Man <laughs> with Batman, they had kind of a, a, a theory as to what the plot might end up being like. And I thought it was a pretty sound one. The movie is supposed to involve drones and kind of making fighter pilots obsolete. Uh, right. So there's a thought that, like, you have General Maverick and you have, like, Iceman go out on a, a, a mission. Ma- like, Mav is not in the sky anymore. He's just kind of on the ground doing the mm-hmm. administrative stuff. And you have Iceman like going out on a mission and then getting marooned somewhere and there's nothing the drones can do about it. So Maverick has to get back into a plane again and go save them. And I think that's a cool idea. That's like just like an episode of Doctor Who I just watched. Yeah. <laughs> Where they know they had like transporter devices. Yep. So they didn't need rockets anymore. They could yeah. just transport themselves to the moon. But then the moon base got cut off. So they had to like find a rocket in a museum and go to the moon on a rocket. Mm hmm. It was a good story, so maybe that'll work. Maybe. <laughs> I just hope they don't remake the volleyball scene with all the no, no. <laughs> like super old. <laughs> they're on the ground. They're like, oh, I can't get up. <laughs> I think oh, that's a back. wise suggestion, yeah. Uh, Vin Diesel has announced future plans for the Riddick franchise, which involve both another film and a spinoff TV series. The actor posted to his Instagram, last night our company had a party to launch our TV division. Merc City is a show that will follow the mercs and bounty hunters of the Riddick universe. Next month, David Twoey begins writing the next chapter in the Chronicles of Riddick, Furia. I have not I, seen the Riddick movies, so I, I don't know. I saw... What was the first one? Pitch Black. Uh, Pitch Black. I saw Pitch Black. Yep. And I think I saw bits and pieces of the Chronicles of Riddick. Mm-hmm. And it was, I don't know. I liked Pitch Black. Yeah. I thought it was a cool concept. I think for like the the amount of money that they spent on that movie and the concept of it, it was like I mean it was great as both an action movie and a horror movie because it plays on your fears of the dark yeah. and the unknown, but it's also like there's a lot of fighting and yeah. you know there's a lot of action. So the game was pretty good. Did you play the game? I think I played it for like thirty minutes and oh. I thought like mm, maybe I should do something else. <laughs> <laughs> I enjoyed that. I mean, uh, the only problem I have with the TV show is I'm not like I don't think anybody's invested in the the mercenaries that chase Riddick. Oh yeah, I think the Riddick series is centered around Riddick. Yeah, 
Like he's the reason why people watch because he's like this badass dude that got his eyes shined up for a pack of menthols in prison. (laughs) Like that's the reason why they watch the movies. They don't watch it because the mercenaries are, you know, like even in like the most recent movie where the mercenaries were supposed to be like top tier, like, Mm -hmm. you know, the people that they send to find the people in the universe that nobody else can find. Like I still didn't care about the mercenaries. The only thing I cared about was Riddick and that stupid dog that he adopted on that planet. Like nobody knows what I'm talking about. <laughs> nope. But uh, I mean, yeah, that's the only thing I'm. No, but like, now I'm invested. Is the dog alive? Right. It's dog. all about it's the dog. Now that there's a dog, I'm in. We're in. Okay. Where mm, do I find this movie? Must know if dog survives. <laughs> so, like, I mean, the movie sounds great because it goes back to Furia, like his lineage as being Furian, like the the chosen people that were eradicated at one point. Like that's one part of the story that they never even talked about, mm-hmm. except for in brief passing when they were talking about some prophecy. So great. But then the mercenaries, it's like, well, unless unless Vin Diesel's going to be in every episode, which I sincerely doubt, mm. I don't think a lot of people are going to care about it, especially because, I don't know, like when you pri- try to prioritize the TV that you're watching, are you yeah. really going to prioritize yeah. something that you have no investment in? I think right, they're going to see right. how the next movie does as well. Right. Yeah. Right. Dude, that's what I mean. Like they, they go balls to the wall. They're like, we're going to do a movie, we're going to do a TV show, we're going to do this. And it's like, well, let's do one at a time. Slow let's down. make sure people still want to yeah. see this character mm-hmm. before we do a spinoff series. Mm-hmm. Sure. We'll see. In development for some time now, Deadline is reporting that a television reboot of the sci-fi series Lost in Space has landed at Netflix. Oh, yeah. Created by Erwin Allen, the original series premiered on CBS in 1965 and went on to last for three seasons and 85 episodes. The series focused on the intergalactic adventures of the Robinson family, who were originally sent into the stars aboard the Jupiter 2 for colonization. But the vessel was sabotaged by the backstabbing Dr. Zachary Smith, whose efforts to disrupt the trip result in the clan being stranded in the cosmos. Television reboots for Lost in Space have been attempted before, with both a 1970s cartoon and a 2003 live-action version, directed by John Woo, though neither were picked up to series. A feature film reboot was also released in 1998 to yeah, moderate reception. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. I saw that. Did you? Yeah. Is it really I 1998? It. I know, that's what I was thinking. It must have been 2004, wow. 2005, and then Rob says 98 and I want to die. Yeah. Wasn't that right? Matt, Matt LeBlanc was in that, right? He was. Yeah. Yeah. He was. Yeah. yeah. I remember that. Wow. <laughs> yep. I like space stuff. I mean, if yeah. they can reboot it and do it well, I mean, I'm interested. Yeah. Something new-ish. Like it's, ish. it's, it's new, fresh-ish. but not at all. Right. <laughs> yeah, but it's... No, I know. There are a lot of straight-up science fiction shows on TV No, right I now. agree. Yeah. And maybe we need a little more of that. Yeah. So, sure, why not? Hey, Amazon users. If you'd like to help support the show, please go to thegeekgeneration.com and click on the Amazon button, which will bring you right to the Amazon homepage. If you make a purchase after using this link, you've helped the show by earning us a commission, and it won't cost you any extra money. Please use this link for all your future Amazon shopping. Hi, this is Will Friedle, and you're listening to The Geek Generation. Plans for a sixth film in the popular Mission Impossible franchise are moving forward as Variety reports that Mission Impossible Rogue Nation director and co-writer Christopher McQuarrie is in talks to return for the next franchise installment. Mm. According to The Trade, McQuarrie is set to write and will potentially direct MI6 as well. Tom Cruise has already confirmed to reprise his role as Ethan Hunt for the new film, with production set to begin as early as August 2016. 
If Simon pegs in, I'm in. I still enjoy the franchise. It's yeah. good. I think they're doing a really nice job with it. It's a no frills action movie series. I mean, it's basically what it is. Yeah, like, it's, it's definitely fun. A feel, I like it. Feel good, like that movie kicked ass. Their stuff blew up. Sure. Yeah, yeah it was good, everything good I wanted stuff. it to be. Good stuff. I love it. I just want them to call it Mission Impossible. Maybe not that impossible. <laughs> <laughs> we keep pulling these off pretty I mean, well. It, it's happened six times already, guys. <laughs> Sandra Bullock has been confirmed for the lead role in an upcoming all-female Ocean's Eleven reboot. Whether Bullock will be playing Danielle Ocean, one of Danny's embittered ex-wives, or another character entirely is unclear at this time. It also seems unclear as to whether the movie will be a true reboot or a sequel to the most recent Ocean's films. When... Those weren't that long ago, were they? Not. I was going to be like 1997. They're rebooting things way too quickly. Way too quickly. Yeah. Yeah. When Um, was that? I think the last one was like mid 2000s i want to say here's the thing is i'm glad that like you know women are having powerful roles in film (laughs) yep but they don't and the same thing this is like you know i'm a broken record because it's the same thing with doctor who Mm -hmm. having missy be the master do your own thing like why can't women do their own why they have to like be thrown into male roles like I, i recently watched the heat and it was great but it was unique. It was its own story with its own oh, you female. Liked it? I did like it. It Dude. was very funny. It was a very funny, cute buddy flick. That's what it was. It was again just straight up like it was a buddy cop movie. Mm-hmm. But it was its own buddy cop movie. They weren't trying to do. It wasn't like a cop reboot movie of another other older right, cop right. movie with two guys in it. Right. You know, it's like you can have a cool movie with. Or bridesmaids was the same way. Mm-hmm. Unique new script, not a reboot. With a bunch of girls. That's fine. Yeah. But you're making oh, Ocean's Eleven with girls and Ghostbusters with girls. Yeah. And it's like, why not just do your own thing and make it your own thing? Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 3. Girls. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's just dumb. Like, just... It, and it's a little yeah. bit insulting. It's like we have to piggyback off of right. these male roles. Like, that's I think not the fair. problem is that the all-female thing feels like a gimmick. And, right. And that makes it instantly uninteresting to me what i would love for them to do granted i don't want them rebooting oceans 11 anyway and granted that was a reboot of an original oceans 11 prior to that with like the rat pack or something but like Mm -hmm. a long time ago right right but if they just said we're doing an oceans 11 reboot sandra bullock's the lead and then it ends up being a lot of females because they're just casting they're casting whoever's the best person for it like i Mm -hmm. think strong female roles come off better not when they're necessarily a girl being in a guy's role or vice versa. It's when gender doesn't matter. Right. And we talked about Alien. it before. Yeah. Yep. Like when you don't think about gender, that's a good role. Mad Max. Yes. Yeah. Like the context weakens it. Weakens yeah. the argument by a certain degree. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't think anybody was even asking for an Oceans reboot. We're perfectly fine Watching all the Oceans movies on repeat on TNT and TBS fucking 24 <laughs> hours a day. Yeah, I mean, great. Yeah. Like, do we, uh, why can't they just call another heist movie? Sandra Bullock is exactly. a, is a big enough. Exactly. trying to bank off the name. But That's who, exactly it, though. It's like, what, do your own thing. It's what all about brands. bracket is after that I movie? Know. I don't know. I, not I honestly us, don't know. Right? I mean, like. Maybe. It depends like on like parents, like how they spin like, it. You know, we'll know who they're aiming at when we see the rest of the cast. Basically, well, if it's a bunch of like twenty something, yeah, girls, then they're aiming at a lower audience. If it's Sandra Bullock and people comparable to her age, they're actually aiming it at us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but we'll see when it happens. But I only know of Ocean's Eleven because of the remade movies, right? 
I don't know. Yeah. It doesn't make me like if I, th- I feel like if they came out with this and it had a different name, I'd be more inclined to see it because, oh, it's something new. It's, it could be the same idea. Yeah. I agree. I don't know. Ocean's, the name Ocean's Eleven doesn't do anything. No, it actually, like, these, these it, repurposed brands turn me off. Exactly. Right, exactly. Yeah. I want to see new properties. I'm not yep. interested yeah. in the same stuff. Unfortunately, the majority of society does buy a ticket when they hear something they're familiar with, yeah. which is a bummer. Nintendo has revealed the design for a gender-bent take on the company's iconic Legend of Zelda hero named Linkle. The character will make her debut in the company's upcoming Hyrule Warriors Legends, set to hit the Nintendo 3DS on March 25th, 2016. Linkle's backstory has not yet been revealed, so it remains to be seen exactly how she will end up connecting to existing Zelda lore. I like the look. I like the costume. I hate the name. Yeah, Linkle. the name is bad. It's bad. Yeah, rhymes with Dinkle. And Tinkle. <laughs> Winkle. <laughs> I mean, I can see people cosplaying this right away. Yeah. yeah. It's kind of funny because there's not much info in that article. It's like, we drew this. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's the article. They're like, it's awesome. Yeah. Moving on. <laughs> Pretty <laughs> much. Like, Pretty okay. much. It's basically like cosplayer's attention. If you have a Demon Hunter cosplay from Diablo 3, just repurpose the cape. Make it green <laughs> and you're good to go. <laughs> Although Showtime's new Twin Peaks revival had initially planned to premiere in 2016, it's being reported that a slight delay in scheduling has changed to plan for a debut in 2017. Oh, you mean that slight delay that was the whole press war like, right. from like three months ago where everybody was like, director's not coming back, director didn't get enough money, like, director is back. Yeah. Yeah, probably. Like, I'm assuming that is the delay. That's probably for sure. With The Daily Show behind him, Jon Stewart has now signed an exclusive four-year production pact with HBO. The partnership marks the next phase of Stewart's career, beginning with short-form digital content to be showcased on HBO Now, HBO Go, and other platforms, and includes a first-look option for other film and TV ventures. In his first project for HBO under the New Deal, Stewart will view current events through his unique prism. Working with pioneering cloud graphics company Otoy Inc., he is developing new technology that will allow him to produce timely short-form digital content, which will be refreshed on HBO Now multiple times throughout the day. Additional projects will be announced as they are confirmed. Good for him. I think it's a big push by HBO. I think so, too. You look at them locking down Jon Stewart and then previously Bill Simmons, formerly of Grantland. Mm -hmm. If anybody knows anything about sports or sports writing, if you have... Like if you watch like, well, I mean, Bill Simmons, I still know who he is. Though. He's a huge name. Yeah. Like, you yeah. know, like he's big enough to be outside of sports mm-hmm. like a sports writer, but he also talks about pop culture and stuff. Mm-hmm. And um, I mean, especially with him leaving ESPN and Grantland just shutting down like a couple of weeks ago, I think his new show in the spring, followed by Jon Stewart's new stuff. Like yep. HBO is making that big push to be like its own entity. Like maybe we don't need cable services. Right, anymore. right. I mean, especially with all this like digital content stuff that refreshes like throughout the day. Mm-hmm. That's like basically taking the addictive elements of like social media yeah. and plugging it into a network. HBO's doing this smarter than anyone else yeah. right now, I think. They're yeah. doing it. But I mean, they're making all the right deals, I think. I mean Yeah. And that's really what it's all about. It's yeah. content is king. And I'd be happy just if if HBO gets big enough that it's the only thing that I want to watch. Mm-hmm. Like have all my stuff in one area and then just forget about everything else. Like <laughs> HBO that's just dream. just buy The Walking Dead from AMC. You have <laughs> money. <laughs> Come on. And make things so much easier for you. I'm everything sure. in one place. <laughs> Cly Entertainment has announced that Don't Starve Shipwrecked will arrive through Steam Early Access on December 1st. The only details about the single-player expansion are the official description, which reads, 
With new playable characters, biomes, creatures, and seasonal effects, Wilson and the whole Don't Starve cast of characters embark on a seabound journey of exploration, adaptation, and of course, starvation. I'm excited for it because I still love that game. I don't play it all the time. It is one you get burnt out on here and there, but it's fun to hop back into every now and then. And I haven't played it. Kill way too much time. Really? <laughs> way too much. It's a big time thing. 20th Century Fox and James Cameron have announced that the long-in-development Battle Angel movie is still happening, except now director Robert Rodriguez will helm the feature titled Alita Battle Angel. Cameron and John Landau will produce for Fox under their Lightstorm Entertainment banner. Set in the 26th century, Alita Battle Angel tells the story of Alita, an amnesiac female cyborg who is rescued from a scrapyard by a doctor. The rebuilt Alita, remembering only her training in a deadly martial art, becomes a hunter-warrior, tracking down and eliminating vicious criminals. Within the context of an epic action-adventure, the film will explore a young woman's journey of self-discovery and finding love. Cameron has been developing the big-screen adaptation of the manga series for over 10 years, but now that the director is in pre-production on three Avatar sequels, he has his hands a little full. This is actually an anime that I'm familiar with. Yeah. Yeah, I watched some Battle Angel back in the day. I think it's like, it's... It's an obscure choice. I mean, he might have locked it down a little early yeah. and just kind of got way too invested in it. But it's like a really obscure series. Like, not obscure, but like it's a weird one. It can't be that choice. obscure. I've seen it. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's it's in that era where like anime was still being put on VHS. So mm-hmm. it was like people were passing tapes around and, you know, it, 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 it was kind of uh, revolving in that like weird, like pre-social network mm-hmm. era where, you know, you'd pass tapes to your friend, be like, this is bad. Sure, Watch sure. this, you know, like. That's how I got a hold of it. Kind of like the same way with Dragon Ball. Like you would kind of get it. I mean, we kind of got it in college where you could download it, but people would pass tapes around and it's kind of like a weird choice. Um, I'd be curious as to, to see as to why he chose this one as opposed to something else because mm. there's so many others that I think especially with Cameron's pedigree in like avatar and mm-hmm. making weird blue people. Like he could have really picked something way more like weird and yeah. obscure to like make into a huge, that movie. makes me almost more interested though. Yeah. Like to see his take. And it's, it's super simple too. I mean, you don't even like, there's not a whole lot of special effects. No, I mean, no, no. cyborg girl is basically just, girl right right <laughs> you know like the, like every now and then you see gi and like her fixing her arm or sure, something sure sure so yeah that'd be cool yeah 20th century fox has plans for another entry in the die hard franchise with deadline revealing the studio's planned approach die hard 6 would feature the return of bruce willis as john mcclain but only to bookend a story set in 1979 according to the outlet producer lorenzo d bonaventura is currently working with director len wiseman to develop the project Wiseman, who helmed 2007's Live Free or Die Hard, will likely direct Die Hard 6. Die Hard 6's 1979 storyline would be an origin story of sorts for McLean, delving into the protagonist's time as a police officer with the NYPD. McLean's early years were also the focus of a Boom Studios comic book series, Die Hard Year One. Published in 2009 and 2010, the first four-issue miniseries was written by Howard Chaikin and took place in the Big Apple during the 1976 Bicentennial. Like the film series, Die Hard Year One had McLean facing off against violent terrorists. It was followed by another four-issue story set during the 1977 New York blackout. As long as Jai Courtney's not in it, <laughs> I'm okay. <laughs> I If they're doing like a prequel, though, if John McLean's not played by Bruce Willis in the be. seven, then I don't give a shit. Right. Like, he is John McLean. Right. He, he is the only John McLean, and I don't care how much whoever they get looks like him. It doesn't. It's not. 
it's not no bad. Yeah, I mean, he's still really fit. Mm -hmm. And I actually loved Live Free and Die Hard. I hated um, A Good Day to Die Hard. That was terrible. Mm -hmm. But the one with the skinny little apple kid was actually, I liked it a lot. So they can potentially still make a good Die Hard movie. But if John, if he's not John McClane, then I don't want to watch it. Right. I don't want to watch some young kid right. be him. It it's doesn't, not, it doesn't make it's sense not to right. do a prequel no. at this point. He's yeah. such a unique he, guy. Yeah. He's not replaceable. He's not. Like, he's, he's Bruce Willis. Mm-hmm. You can't replace him with anybody. And I think prequels in general just lack the same stakes that anything mm-hmm. else do. Like, I'm yeah. having the same problem watching Gotham. I'm like, I know... That person's okay. That per- like, even if it's a, a take on the universe, I feel like certain people are safe. You don't have to haven't... worry that the characters you love are going to die. Right, right. Right. Like McLean's like, going to live through the movie. Right. Yeah. There's I, no edge of your seat moment. Exactly. He's, like, he's going to live. He has to live. I mm-hmm. also think a prequel about John McLean sort of will take away from the original Die Hard a little bit because he was very much out of his element mm-hmm. in that movie. He was very unsure about what he was doing. Mm-hmm. I mean, the guy friggin' lost his shoes. You know what I mean? Like, he's not. He wasn't like kind of this mm-hmm. elevated right. action star that at was that part point. Of the he wasn't yeah, put together exactly. Like that. That's part of the best thing. That's one of the best things of the movie. So now, if you know that when he was younger, he got in some giant terrorist plot thing, and You're like, oh, he had, this then, wasn't his first. Yeah, time. it like totally would take away from the original Die I Hard. Agree. Like he's just supposed to be a New York cop. Period that mm-hmm. gets thrown into this mm-hmm. building where this insane thing happens. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't make sense. No. No. I will say this though, the night, like the late 70s New York City is a good it is. backdrop sure. for like a series. Yeah. I don't know if they should make a Die Hard series. I mean, come on guys, you're six movies in and then you, only now you're making the prequel. It's like, so what do we do next? <laughs> you're a little prequel. late to the party. Yeah. Like, that think, just says screams out of ideas. Yeah, yeah. I mean, basically. How can you be out of ideas? It's a simple formula that you could kind of keep doing. Mission and, Impossible. Yeah. Uh, yeah. All the, Every action movie. And he being an older guy. Yeah. And him being an older guy now puts him back in that sort of vulnerable, weird place, too. Mm -hmm. So, like, that would work with the franchise. Like, to have him be like, shit, I'm too friggin' old to do this, but I'm going to do it anyway and it's going to hurt. You know what I mean? Because part of the thing about Die Hard is he gets his ass kicked. He's not like the untouchable hero. It's very realistic in that Mm -hmm. like he gets cut up, he bleeds, he hurts, he aches, he hurts his back. You know, so him being older just makes that much more sense in that role anyway. Throws in that element of like, this could be the last one. What if he doesn't make it through this one? You know, this is the end. Yeah, it's Die Hard. He doesn't do this stuff like easily. It's it's tough. He's going down. He's going down with a bang. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Uh, so no <laughs> resounding no the geek generation U- says unanimously no. <laughs> swinging a mess Dwayne Johnson has confirmed that his San Andreas co-star Alexandra Daddario has landed the role of Summer in the film adaptation of Baywatch other actresses who were apparently up for the role were Ashley Benson, Nina Dobrev Shelley Hennig, Bianca Santos Alexandra Shipp and Denise Taunts the announcement also confirmed that the role of C.J. Parker which made Pamela Anderson a household name, has been cast and will be revealed soon. Oh, hell yeah. I'm excited okay. about this. <laughs> Somebody better get rock bottomed on the beach. That's all I'm yeah. I was going to see this movie anyway because The Rock is in yeah. it and I have to. But now when you throw Alexander Daddario in a bathing suit in it, I'm so in. <laughs> I honestly have no desire to see it. I, I, I enjoyed the first, the, like the, the Baywatch series, but. I'll be able to just look at the photos. Right. Yeah. I'll be, <laughs> be like, where are all the pictures, Rob? Yeah. 
I just know there's going to be running in slow motion, and I'm so happy. Yeah, and it's going to be The Rock, <laughs> so you can watch his boobs. <laughs> they probably will, I, I think. I think they, they probably will. That'd be great if, like, Alexander Daddario starts running on the beach in slow motion, and, <laughs> and then you see the rock, the rock, yeah. you see the rock like, swoop in. <laughs> Passer. That would be funny. Uh, <laughs> Memento, the film that launched Christopher Nolan into the Hollywood limelight, is getting a remake. The 2000 film will be redone by AMBI Pictures, which recently acquired the 400-title exclusive media group library, which also included Cruel Intentions, Donnie Darko, The Mexican, Rush, and Sliding Doors. Said one of the producers behind the remake, Memento has been consistently ranked as one of the best films of its decade. People who've seen it ten times still feel they need to see it one more time. This is a quality we feel really supports and justifies a remake. Right. Well, that's a quality um, that that's a quality yeah. that doesn't justify a remake. It, it means if, it's still standing on its own yes, two feet. That's the exact uh, reason you don't remake oh something. The exact reason. You guys have all seen this movie. This I, just because I have it. literally clicked on it so many times. And went. Eh, it's so good. This reeks of just a company just trying to squeeze yep. every last bit. They're not even going to try. I yeah. guarantee you, it's going to be the worst remake and they're just gonna want to i want to sell x many tickets yep. how do we get to x many tickets yeah yeah the the just the quotes from the guy yeah, in the, the article, ignorance of that it's statement yeah it's so it's laughable yeah. and it's going to bite them in the ass so you know what no more heart. power to them go go for it yeah go for it because you're gonna crash and burn yep. so have fun go ahead <laughs> like a, a buddy of mine who's a writer in hollywood like he listens to the podcast what's up bob and I, you know, like he listened to one of the podcasts where we were going over like the TV shows. I think mm-hmm. it was like the fall TV review. And then the whole time, like I'm just saying, like that's just like blank with blank. And then like, like kind of shutting down the TV shows one yeah, by one. Yeah. He's like, dude, I can get you a job in Hollywood like right quick because every studio needs a guy like you. Yes. Because basically the studios are just making garbage. You sell it based on other property yeah. connections. But like you, ugh, like Memento is like lightning in a bottle. Like, yes. You don't make a movie about amnesia that well all that often. I no. mean, I can't even think of another movie that about amnesia that was that good. No. You know, and then to say like and the presentation is so unique too. Like yeah. if they try to do that again, it yeah. doesn't matter. It's been done already. It it won not only on the fact that it's a great movie, but on the fact that it was so original. And isn't it only 10 years old? Like, yeah. it's not even well, remotely close 2000, to old enough. 2000. Oh, all so right. I thought somebody said it was 15 10. 15 years. All right. But still, but still that's still not long enough. No. Like, if it's the lifespan of a dog, it's not long enough for a reboot. <laughs> like, that's got to be, there's got to be, like, that's a statute of limitations here. Like, yeah. it's just ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah, I'm so unhappy with that. Out of all remakes and reboots that I've heard of, this is probably my most hated I think it's just the most laughable one. It I is. just think it's the most absurd one. Mm-hmm. Like, because I'm probably angriest about the Ghostbusters one. Right. But this one is the most like, <laughs> are you fucking kidding me? Like, you read it and you go, no, yeah. come on. The what? justification makes it ten times worse. Yeah. Like, if they had just said we're making a it memento. It just sounds arrogant. Like, yeah. This is amazing. People want to keep watching it, so we're going to make another one? We're yeah. going to remake Wait, it and, and cash in on the name. Huh? I would have been more open to sequel than remake. In a way, it makes it the, the way that that release makes it sound is like you guys are dumb enough to pay for another ticket yes and that's basically. the other thing though uh, that movie was sort of more intelligent than that so its fan base is not the reboot fodder fan mm-hmm. base so the people who liked memento are not the ones going to see nope. all these reboots or that you know are going to pay the ticket just for the name like they're not that's not the same and it's group still of people. it's still kind of a cult hit mm-hmm. like as much as it launched christopher nolan 
it's not this mainstream movie that everyone's like, oh, that Memento franchise, I'm hopping right on that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, it's gonna it's gonna bite him in the ass. It's it gonna is. be hilarious. I can't wait. Go for it. Have fun. DC Entertainment and Warner Brothers Animation have announced that Batman: Bad Blood, the latest in their original animated movies, will debut digitally on January nineteenth, two thousand sixteen, and on DVD and Blu-ray on February second. The mysterious disappearance of Batman, coupled with the emergence of powerful and malevolent new villains in Gotham City, forced Nightwing and Robin to take crime fighting into their own hands while simultaneously searching for their missing leader. However, they're not alone for long. New superheroes Batwoman and Batwing, each armed with her, his own sensibilities, physical abilities, and crime fighting tools, arrive in Gotham to assist in the cause. As this new family strives to find its own dynamic, chilling clues lead the group to suspect the Dark Knight may have gone over to the dark side. It's up to the entire Bat team to uncover the truth before Gotham City falls prey to its greatest threat yet. They're pretty much doing uh, the comic book storyline of uh, Battle for the Cowl in animated movie form, it seems, which was fun. Uh, and I'm excited for this one because I always want more Batman animated movies, so I'm down. When I watched the trailer, all the only the only song that was playing in my head was that Taylor Swift song. That was <laughs> just the whole time. It's like they they need to use this song. Like they need to get out, yeah. reach out to Taylor Swift and be like, "Look, can you just let us put this?" I wouldn't be surprised if that's why they chose that particular name instead of calling it "Battle for the Cowl." Yeah, you know what they should do just for Rob, really. <laughs> but they should just they should have a a service like Loot Crate just with the DC animated Joe just ship them right to the house. Yeah. Like don't make them go on and get it and just ship it to the house. Well, I actually do kind of have that service. It's called being on Warner Brothers uh release list now. So oh, okay. They do just come to me. Oh, nice. <laughs> yeah. All right, good good going, guys. Thanks Warner Brothers. <laughs> You're amazing. <laughs> I love you. <laughs> Uh, we have almost no time left in this particular show, but before we sign off, let's take care of one more thing. Uh, Volpe was nice enough to yeah. go out and pick up a new limited edition Oreo flavor for us to try out. Yeah. So, uh, on this particular one, we have the gingerbread Oreos, which Whoa. looks like we have another vanilla cookie in this yeah. instance, and I imagine... The cream is going to be kind of a gingerbready type cream. I wish they had some sort of description of it, like written. What am I eating? Yeah. <laughs> and, what the hell am I putting in my mouth? And I'm still also very not happy with their decision to not have the limited editions have that kind of pull yeah. tab opening. But because yep. this makes it a lot harder to. They're also out way in advance uh, to Christmas. Like it'd be one yeah. thing. Like, can we get through Thanksgiving? But come mm. on. I know gingerbread. Although you sound I feel like. like me. Oh, wow. The smell came right out as soon as I opened that up. Yeah, totally. Paul. And is it good? Like, good? It smells smells good, but it smells very artificial. (laughs) It has to be. Yeah. It smells. Oh, oh, wow. Authentic for sure. Great. Yeah. Yeah. Here we go. Cookie's good. Oh, eat on the podcast again. Mm. Listen to us crunch, but instead of just two, there's four. Mm -hmm. So I'm purposely eating it with a strategy. I just ate the cookie Mm -hmm. with no frosting, Mm -hmm. and I think it's just a regular vanilla cookie. Yeah. Mm. So I would say all the gingerbread is in the frosting. That makes sense. Yeah, it is. I think their vanilla cookie is kind of their baseline, like throw any It's so vanilla. I like it. Yeah. Mm. This one's, again, like you said, with the coconut, strong enough, but not too strong to be like overpowering the only one i disagreed with was the brownie one mm. i really didn't like that that was no good i think the only problem with this is um you're replacing one cookie with another cookie so i'd kind of just rather eat a gingerbread cookie that's a fair argument yeah yeah 
Yeah, like why are we making weird versions of other cookies? Right. Or why Oreo you, cells. Like why don't you just put That's your name, Oreo frosting inside of a gingerbread man? Well, yeah, a good idea. Like, yeah. Gin- why aren't these shaped like gingerbread men? Two gingerbread men with like Oreo cream inside. Like the old like, Keebler would- elf cookies where the cookie had mm-hmm. like the, it was the imprint of a, an elf. Does cream. Oreo just sell their cream? Cause I'm going to make that. <laughs> <laughs> I think I've seen like food beast articles for like recipes mm. that make like the boozy version of like the, Oh really? but I think you just take the booze out and right. that's, that's basically what I saw a review. We had talked about the, uh, the coconut one before yeah. and someone thought that it needed like some chocolate in there. So they took one of the vanilla wafers on and put a chocolate one on Yeah, and said it was like amazing. Like that. It almost tasted like an almond joy. Oh. Because it had the coconut yeah. and the chocolate. Like, doing two chocolate waivers was overpowering. So, they mm-hmm. left one vanilla on and one chocolate on. And said that was, like, the perfect combo. But I haven't been able to find the coconut ones in the store again. <laughs> I haven't seen them either. Yeah. Those were really good. I was very happy with those. Mm. But this is very good, too. It is, it is good. Yeah. Oreo. It's got, like, a... Is it nutmeg? There's like a spicy there's a, element to it. Yeah. 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 Similar to the pumpkin spice. Yeah. I like, like right this a little better than the pumpkin spice, though. Like, right at the end, there's, like, a little bit of... Mm, like, a, like, a hit of cinnamon? Maybe, mm. maybe. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. That's Cinnamon, right? yeah. yeah. Part of the gingerbread for sure. Well, oh boy, we're ingredient reading again. Syrup, <laughs> high fructose syrup, more syrup, more sugar. No, it's just sugar. Just sugar. There's no, yeah. there's no actual real spice of any kind. Oh no. <laughs> Why would there be? No. no, no. Who knows? But again, look at that. They're just gonna go bad. There's no yeah. reseal. That's oh. stupid. Yeah. We'll have to eat them all, fellas. I guess so. <laughs> <laughs> um, we should probably take care of the listener mailbag too. Well, we don't have a lot to look at, and we haven't had a listener mailbag in so long, so I guess it makes sense to actually, like, hop into it when we get stuff. Let's do it. Oh, my God! You've got mail. You bastard! We had asked our audience recently to give us their feedback on the new Muppets TV show. Oh, yeah. And we did have a couple people write in with their responses. Yeah. First of all, from Aaron Shuck. Chuck, 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 chuck. <laughs> he says, yeah, I totally agree with you. The new Muppet show is not good. That's it. And I haven't moved past whatever episode I had watched. Yeah. And uh, Greg Wallach wrote in and said, when it comes to the Muppets in general, Kermit is pretty normal. He's pleasant, likable, mm. reasonable, and hilarious, pushed to his limits by stress and the antics of others. It's this heart and soul that's the foundation of Kermit against the laugh-out-loud weird and wackiness of the rest of the other Muppets. It's this critical interplay that makes the Muppets fun and keeps the show grounded and from going too far off the rails. This key element is what the new show botches horribly. Mm. I agree. Wasn't mm. there a press release or something that they're going to reformat the show? Oh, really? I could have sworn I saw something. And I was like, oh, I'm surprised Rob didn't email this to oh, me. Oh, no, I knew. I know. I thought about I it. saw something about they were going to change up the format. Huh. Maybe I dreamt it. I don't know. But I could have <laughs> sworn I saw it on Facebook. Wishful it was thinking. wishful. Yeah, yeah. He's like, this is how it should be. I got to look. I, huh. Yeah. I thought I saw it. I think you're right. I think I saw them just say something about changing up the show due to some unknown reason they didn't say viewer dissatisfaction overwhelming feedback yeah you know but well i've heard from almost nobody that says they're really enjoying it so but at the same time i bet you people are going we love the muppets and we will watch this if you you know what i mean because we don't want to see it canceled either because we don't want no more muppets we just don't want that just give us the Muppets, right? Not right. The angry, weird, egotistical things that we're watching. I agree. Like I had kind of a different reaction to it. Like after episode two, I thought it was forgettable. Yeah. Like I felt like I could just watch The Office. Mm-hmm. Like I don't have to watch the Muppets. And I'm like, I like I like the Muppets growing up. I'm not like 
you guys where it's like ingrained in my childhood. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I did like watching them, but the show was just so forgettable. And I think that indifference is actually a little bit more dangerous than like dissatisfaction, because at least with yeah. the dissatisfaction, people are going to be like, change the show, redo it, mm-hmm. do something to preserve it. With me, it's like, I don't care. Right. Like, to move, I'll move on, you know? So it's. I'm like, kind of in the same camp as you. I mean, it's, it's kind of, it yeah. sucks. But you and you wanted to succeed, but yeah, I want. I was excited there was going to be a new Muppet Show because their resurgence right. has been pretty good. And even what, though I didn't like the what Paul second just movie. said is the really the scariest thing is mm. that it, they're forgettable. Yeah, like that's the worst possible thing is that people just go, eh, forget it, we're right. done. Love it or hate Muppets it, that's one thing because that shows people care. Yeah, but, yeah. yeah. Like if you're like Anna and you absolutely hate the show, at least you're opinionated about mm-hmm. it, mm. right? So I don't know. I think between how successful like late night television is with Jimmy Kimmel and and also with like shows like America's Got Talent, I think it's just like the perfect time to open it up for a classic Muppet show. Muppet like, variety just do, show. I think yeah. people would fucking love it. They would yeah. love it. Just do it. Like I agree. That's what we want. And I think it's a good time for it. Totally. Yeah, but where would it go, though? Because, I mean, every major network has their late night guy. Oh, it doesn't need no, to be a late night show. No, it doesn't have to actually show. be late night, but oh, okay. like just that. No, because you the want skit, kids to watch. Don't yeah, like seven, the, eight o'clock. the skit format. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like the sk- sketches here, and then interviews there, and mm-hmm. then a song here. You know, that, honestly, that make like it a Sesame Street with the Muppets for us, right? Yeah, right. Yeah, I mean that's what it was, right? So yeah. do a late night show at prime time. I don't even need the, the backstage yeah. stuff. I just want the Muppet show. I don't even need them to have Miss Piggy doing a. Late night show. Can we just, just cut give her again, out of the show? But again, but give us Saturday Night Live. I've never liked yeah. this figure. Well, that's the thing is make it again, make it. I think I talked about this weeks ago or months ago at this point, but make it so that it it's an actual live show because the Muppets are really frigging good at that, mm-hmm. or at least they used to be, mm-hmm. and throw the the guest stars off their balance. Yeah. And that was the funniest part. That was the best part of the dynamic. Mm-hmm. And that's what a scripted show is completely lacking. Yep. They need to, you know, like that Martha Stewart skit you showed that's us with so Cookie good. Monster. Cookie Monster, like, fucked her up, and it was hilarious. <laughs> like, that's what you need to do. You need to, like, get celebrities on the show and have the Muppets screw around with them. Yep. That's the best yep. part. <sighs> Wishful thinking. Okay, as we get out of here, final thoughts or something you would like to plug, Mike Volby? Uh, you can follow me on Instagram at Mike from the Gym. Or SBV supplements or Westerly Fitness. He remembered all the names. Yes. I did. Yay. <laughs> Anna. You know, Christmas is coming. It is. And you know, it's really easy is to shop on thegeekgeneration.com slash Amazon. It is. However, cheap plug. I, I, yeah. we have to recommend that people actually go to the Geek Generation, click on the Amazon link. I think. The redirect is no longer providing me with. Really? Oh. Okay, I, good there to been, know. There have been 19 purchases this month, and I've gotten zero credit for any of them. Wow. All right. Good to know. Yeah. Uh, well, do that then. Go yeah. To GeekGeneration.com <laughs> and actually physically click on it. Yes. Click on the but Amazon button right on the homepage. I know what I'm going to do. Um, is they actually have a credit card too that's zero percent for six months, and that oh, yeah. is mm. forever. That is not temporary the first time you open the card that is forever Hmm. so i opened my card maybe three years ago and that deal is still good so if i go and click on that link and do all of my shopping at once i have six months to pay it off that's awesome yes it's a very good deal because amazon is a great six months to pay off each individual purchase yeah pretty cool yep paulo nothing to plug uh just go to the geek generation Shop on Amazon. You got Black Friday and Cyber Monday coming up. Yeah. Two huge shopping days, especially for Amazon. So do not forget, people. 
Thank you. To see everything else we do, head on over to thegeekgeneration.com. If you use iTunes, please rate the show and write a review. We always appreciate those. You can like us at facebook.com slash thegeekgeneration and follow at geekgeneration on Twitter. Follow me on Twitter and Instagram at the Night Angel. Support the show by going to thegeekgeneration.com slash support. You can send emails to podcast at thegeekgeneration.com. And as always, the show theme is provided by Machine Supremacy. A link to their site can also be found on our site. We'll be back with new geeky stuff for you soon, and we will see you then. Later. Make it so.